And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you got to get out and play a little bit of golf, as I did early on a Sunday morning. Threw out a little 68, three under par, Fleming Island, little public golf course here in Jacksonville. Won a couple closest to the pins, which was nice, $75 each. Didn't win any skins, but I played good. Got my new woods from PXG, my new Gen 5 driver, three wood. And uh, I'm busting it. Busting it. Love those clubs. Love the irons. And I made a few putts, so I'm in a good mood. PGA Championship, of course. Wow, things got uh, exciting quickly for three and a half days. (laughs) It was a little bit of a snooze fest. And then all of a sudden, Mito starts making bogeys. Knocks it in the water in the 72nd hole, and Justin Thomas is there? My goodness. What was he, eight or nine back after his bogey on three, and he comes all the way back, and he gets into a playoff with Will Zalatoris to win his second Wanamaker Trophy, his 15th win now in the PGA Tour, and all the way up to number five now in the official World Golf Rankings. Congratulations to uh, Justin Thomas as he gets back in the winner's circle. Lots of things to talk about. There's so much on my docket today that I want to get to. Jordan Schultz is going to join me here in a little bit on the Stripe Show podcast. Give him a follow on Instagram. He's got a great following at Jordan Schultz. And we'll talk a little golf. Probably talk some other sports as well. As I, you know, kind of transition now into, you know, some of my thoughts here. And I have a lot of notes here. And I'm trying to keep this organized in my head. I've got to start with Mito Pereira and Cameron Young. If you have been following the Stripe Show podcast, you know, at the beginning of the year, there were two names that I threw out at you that I was really excited to watch. And I felt would follow the tracks of Sam Burns. And of course I was very big on Sam Burns. It's panned out top 20 for him this week. He had to feel good about his major championship as he continues to climb the ladder. couple wins for Sam Burns now. But it was Mito Pereira and Cameron Young. Those were the two names that I gave you that I thought would be two guys to watch and would follow the path that Sam Burns has taken. And similar players, they're, they're long off the tee. Cameron's longer than Mito, but Mito's long enough. But they're wonderful iron players, and they have great putting weeks. They'll make some putts. They're not the best putters, but they're going to fill it up from time to time. In addition to that, they're not scared. And most of these players are not when they come out from the Corn Ferry Tour or come up from college. They're not scared. I mean, you look at Cameron Young, he, he looks like he could just stare right through you. Cameron Young's one of those players, one of those guys, I don't think you want to piss off. Little dog in Cameron Young. Mito's not scared. Mito Pereira, his, you know, his, his track to professional golf, three wins on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Cameron Young had two. They come up, they're ready to win. They're not scared, neither one of them. And they have today's modern game. They're long off the tee. They're great iron players, and they're going to make some putts. They're not the best putters, but they're going to make some putts. Short game can get a little clunky at times, but the rest of it is there. The ball striking is there. They're going to have a lot of looks, and we're seeing that play out. Now, neither one of them, of course, got the win this week, but it's coming. You can see these guys have the modern game and will continue to put themselves there to clip off a win on 
the PGA Tour. As I was laying in bed last night and I was thinking about Mito and what happened there in the 72nd hole, and I was thinking about Cameron Young and really what happened on the 13th hole with Cameron. We'll get to that in a second. But the first thing that really came to my mind was, you know, Mito and Cameron and Will, the modern game, the learning curve when they come to the PGA Tour is so much smaller now. They're ready to compete. They're ready to win right away. The Corn Ferry Tour is a great feeder system, folks, to the PGA Tour. And yet another example this week. I mean, look at the names. Will, Cameron, Mito. Three guys. Davis Riley that are coming from the Corn Ferry Tour. Rookies. Guys that don't have a lot of experience on the PGA Tour, ready to compete and ready to win. Now, all of that experience that they gain at the Corn Ferry Tour level, the collegiate level, and then even down to the junior golf level has moved this along. Today's game, the learning curve, because of all this experience at a young age, uh, it's you know, it's, it's smaller now where 30, 40 years ago, when you came onto the PGA tour, there was a big learning curve to be had. You were a true rookie. You were learning how to travel. You were learning how to fit in. You were learning the golf courses. You weren't as confident. You didn't have all those experiences in college and in junior golf to draw upon. So we see that now we know these kids coming in, they're ready to go right away and they're ready to win, but what they're not ready for what they're not ready for yet, and nothing can prepare you for this until you put yourself in that moment, is major championship pressure. You might be ready to win the 3M Open. You might be ready to win the Genesis. You might be ready to win the John Deere Classic. But you're not ready to win a major championship yet until you feel that pressure. And it played out once again. The pressure Hit. Mito talked about how it continued to build. And I can only imagine playing the last two holes, the amount of pressure he was feeling and the way his body felt in his hands. He's never felt that before. So experience plays out in major championship. The learning curve is still great, is still there in major championships to clip off and win one of these things. It doesn't mean they can't go out there and compete and get on the first page. But to get it to the finish line and handle those nerves, the learning curve is still there. And it played out in Tulsa at Southern Hills as JT came all the way back to tie Will Zalatoris. Now, I feel bad for Mito. I do. I feel bad for, for Mito and what happened. Um, but I think when you look at Mito, and this takes me to my second point here, and you look at you know some things that happened with Mito perhaps on the final day before we got to the 72nd hole. And I think Mito at times was a little too aggressive. He short-sighted himself, I think three times down the stretch. Now he was able to escape a couple times, but it did cost him a couple bogeys as well. Short-sighting himself, uh, let's see, he short-sighted himself on 10. He knocked it into the trees there. He had to punch out. Instead of just kind of getting in the middle of the green, he roped it over there to the left. Now, he was able to get it up and down there. It was an unbelievable flop shot. But he short-sighted himself. He short-sighted himself on 14 where he didn't get it up and down. Uh, he short-sighted himself. There's one other hole. I can't quite remember what hole that was, but he short-sighted himself on another hole that cost him. It just seemed like Mito was missing the ball 
in some difficult spots. I mean, the major championship, and Nick Fowler will talk about this, it's about angles and there's strategy there. And I know we're in an era where you can push the ball down the fairway as much as you can and the statistics play out, but there's still some angles to this and missing the ball in the right spot. And usually professionals are very good at this. I thought Nito short-sided himself way too often, but you can see them there on the 71st hole. Great drive, nice little fade up into the saddle there. And that little pitch shot had a lot of nerves in it. He mishit it. A lot of nerves. It was starting to hit him right there at the major championship pressure. You have a chance to win. If he gets that ball up and down, which he probably does nine times out of ten with no pressure, he probably wins that tournament. He goes to the 18th with a two-shot lead. And he does hit three wood off the tee. He might hit four iron off the tee. But he couldn't get it up and down. The pressure hit him right there, and he goes to 18. I was okay with him hitting driver. He had a beautiful drive there on the 17th. He had a beautiful drive yesterday on the 18th with the driver, so why not? You know, he, he's a good driver of the golf ball. A little bullet cut as he'd been hitting, but it, it, the pressure hit him. So there were some short-sighted situations. There was the clanky up and down on 17 that he gets up and down in the sleep with no pressure, and then, of course, he tried to steer one down there on the 72nd. Yes, you've won three times in the Corn Ferry Tour. Yes, you are celebrated from Chile as a young 27-year-old. But the learning curve is real when that pressure hits. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know <laughs> what that feels like because I don't. The only people that know is that have put themselves in that situation. And that learning curve is still present. Now, with me, though, is Cameron Young, right? That was the other name that I gave you. And Cameron Young is the real deal, folks. I mean, th this, this young man uh, from New York is the real deal. I made the comment that Cameron Young will win before Will Zalatoris, and well, that almost played out the other way, as Will could have won that playoff. But they were both right there. Both young, fun, exciting players to watch Cameron long off the tee. Really good iron player. And he can putt. Now, his weakness can be his short game, in particularly his greenside bunker play. His bunker play wasn't good enough. He didn't get it up and down. Let's see, he was four for 10 on the week near the bottom. And his bunker play cost him down the stretch. And when you're trying to win a major championship, these things, little things, play out. But I think where Cameron, to me, when I think back from a strategy standpoint, it was the decision on the 13th, the par five, that I was a little, I was a little bit concerned about. He had a big drive down the right-hand side. Of course, they had the tees moved up where you could get to 13 and two. And I don't know why they didn't do that every single day. I hate watching par fives where there's just no chance to go for it in two. I hate watching par threes. It's 230, 245 yards, and guys are just trying to hit it on the green. I just, like, I get having a little bit of that, but just over and over and over again, I'm not a fan of. But that's just me. But Cameron's there in the rough, and he decides to go for it in two. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we know that in today's game, it's, look, you got to push the ball down the fairway. Hit it as far down the, the, the fairway you can. Hit it as far down there on your second shot as you can. Get as close as you can, right? That kind of plays out over a course of time statistically. But Cameron, when he went for it on the second shot, he hit a big high fade that landed in the back portion of the green, went over, and then into the bunker. What's Cameron Young's weakest part of his game? His bunker play. 
And it was in such a bad spot that he couldn't even aim at the flag stick. He had to play way left. In fact, he probably hit his best bunker shot of the 10 for the week right there. And it was still 30 feet below the hole. He made par. Now, when you think about Cameron Young on Sunday, what's the one shot that really stood out to you where he was like, damn, this guy's so good at this shot. It was that little flighted lob wedge from 70, 80, 100 yards. He was hitting it in there to like 12 feet every single time, pin high. Cameron Young needed to lay up there, put the lob wedge back in his hand and hit it up there to like six feet and give himself a reasonable look, take the bunker out of play. But he went for it, push it down there, be aggressive. I think it cost him right there on the 13th. I think it cost him from that line. Now, of course, if he's in the fairway, yeah, you're going to go for it. But a high cut out of a jumper lie hybrid, you know, he, he just left himself in a tough spot. And how many did Cameron Young lose by? He lost by one. It's a very fine line late down the stretch. Now you fast forward into the playoff, JT and Will. JT hits it in the same spot on the right-hand side. What does he do? He lays up. He lays up to 70 yards, hits it in there to five feet, and makes birdie. So it's easy, Monday quarterback, to kind of second-guess some of this stuff. But when I saw Cameron Young pull that hybrid out, I was like, hmm, I don't know here. Like, I don't want you in the bunker, Cameron. I don't want you in the bunker like you got in on 16 and made double. You made a mess of that. Like you got to avoid some of those situations. His weakness, played it with strength, love that little lob wedge shot. So I thought from a strategy standpoint, you know, Cameron Young could look back and learn from some of these things as well. Mito, from a strategy standpoint, short-siding himself can learn as they move forward. So this is all part of it. And the learning curve, I think, is real under that kind of pressure. The learning curve is shortened when it comes to PGA Tour golf and getting out there and feeling comfortable and clipping one of those off. But the learning curve is still present in major championship golf. Before we bring Jordan on, I want to talk about Will Zalatoris here real quickly. You know, look, I love Mito and Cameron, and I'm really excited for those two and have been for quite some time. Will Zalatoris is just is an absolute gem. I love Will Zalatoris. Um, a guy that, again, from the Corn Ferry Tour, he's come up pretty quickly. He hasn't got his win yet, but he's been there time and time again. It's coming. But Will Zalatoris has to walk away from this tournament and feel very good, very good about where his game at. He putted the ball as well as I have ever seen him putt. His driver cost him. He's playing from the rough too much, but his putter was better. Yes, I know there was a couple that he missed but he's got to feel very, very good. And the other thing, when I was watching Will this week, I just, I'm thinking to myself, the maturity, the vibe, the attitude coming from Will was real. He's 25. He's out there walking around like he's 32, just in control. The situation that happened at six, he had to drop it into the, onto the cart path, hit from the little crack in the cart path, a shot he probably hasn't hit since he was seven. And he gets it up and down for bogey. Just so much poise, so much maturity, and more importantly, so much growth in the putter. Growth in the putter. And that, folks, is going to propel Will Zalatoris to multiple wins because the dude is a ball-striking machine with his irons. What do all these guys have in common? JT, 
Will, Cameron Young, Mito Pereira, they can hit their irons. Great, great iron play. Adequate distance off the tee, great iron play, and have yourself some great putting weeks. Off you go on the PGA Tour. And on that note, let's bring him in. Jordan Schultz here on the Tribe Show podcast. Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast, top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. And let's bring him in now. He's up and at it in New York City. Jordan Schultz, how you doing, man? Doing great, Travis. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I got to first ask, I mean, look at, for those watching uh, on video, I see a mitt yeah. in the backdrop, and then I see a really cool, like, basketball shoe. You got to you gotta tell us what this is about. Okay, so I'll start with the mitt. The mitt is an Ichiro game-worn, game-used mitt that's signed on the mitt and also on here um, as well, number Love 51. It. And then the shoes are actually Kobe shoes. Oh, um, wow that are also signed uh, two or three times. And so they're both great pieces for me. Uh, I love, I'm from Seattle. So when I was in eighth grade, uh, 2001, uh, 2000, the Mariners, that was when they won 116 games. It was an incredible season. And it was Ichiro's rookie year. He won AL Rookie of the Year and AL MVP. So I became obsessed with Ichiro. And he was such like a, he was like a lightning bolt for Seattle. It was this little guy mm-hmm. didn't speak great English that came in. And then actually it turned out he did speak good English, but just pretended like he didn't. And he was funny and he was charismatic. And Oh, by the way, he was, he hit 351 as a rookie. So I became obsessed with Israel. And then the Kobe's for me are um, just a, a really important piece. I, I loved him growing up. I played basketball in college for four years, um, not particularly well, but um, mm-hmm. you know, gave it a run. And Kobe was one of my you know all time favorite players. So these are two two of my favorite items. Yeah, you're speaking to a big Seattle sports fan. I, I too, and I, and of course, I can hear my audience. Oh, now now we know why Jordan's on because I'm a big Seattle sports guy myself. Um, Love it. And uh, you know, the Mariners uh, unfortunately are up to their old tricks again uh, this year. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we can get back to that. You know, that's really cool, Ichiro. Uh, big fan of his, but I know you also, there, there, also, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, re- I recognize that. I got one of those. Oh yeah. Seahawks. There we go. Hold on. I'm going to show you one, one more okay. thing. There we go. Stay with us folks. We're going to get to golf here in a second. Oh, oh, my more Russell. Oh, oh, Russ. And to me, the white, I love the white on gray, yeah. the grand white. I need my, that. I my, my father-in-law for getting this for me. So I need that in my man cave. Yeah. Jeez. All right. There you go. God, I got to come up there and look at that. Yeah. There's a lot of cool yeah. stuff in there. All right. Your golf. You like golf too. Not you. You're, I, love, you're, I love golf. I just don't play it well. Yeah. I mean, well, join the club, right? I mean, everybody's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of us that are in that, but you, you know, you, you're big in basketball. You're big in the NFL. You're following it. You got great following at Jordan Schultz on Instagram, Twitter. Um, and of course the NBA is ramping up. We'll get to that here in a second sure. here as the, as the finals are near. But you watch some golf, too. You try to get out there. Major championship. You got to tune in. It's the PGA. And it's like, all right, it's kind of a snooze fest. All of a sudden, it picks up. So I got to ask, 
coming down the stretch, Mito Pereira hits it in the water, makes double on the last hole. What were your first thoughts and emotions watching that? Well, I am a huge Justin Thomas fan. Okay. okay. So I was, I was fired up for him. Um, I was fired up for golf because I was like, here we go. And I also felt horrible for Mito. I don't know him. Like, what kind of is he well liked? Well, he's a rookie from uh, Chile, and no one really knows a whole lot about him. If you follow the podcast, you do because I've been talking about him for a while now. Him and Cameron Young. Um, Cameron Young, I, that guy is sick. I well, he's him. a New York kid. I mean, yeah. he's yeah, yeah. I mean, he's up there in the New York. He had a great run in the Met section, which is incredible. Um, but I mean, but look, I mean, like the the fringe fans, like who Mito and Cam- yeah, I didn't know. I didn't. I I wasn't. I mean, I knew him, but I not well. Right, right. And then it's like, okay, well, JT's eight back yeah. after his bogey on three. It's like, this is over. Yeah. Like, this, you know, one of these guys, Will Zaltoris, oh, okay, we can rally around him, went to Wake Forest. And then, okay, Justin, all of a sudden he's five back, and then he's four, and then he's three. And it's, and all of a sudden he's got a chance. If he makes that putt on the 18th, he kind of felt like he was going to win. And he didn't. No, oh, okay, well, Mito's going to birdie the 17th. Well, he didn't. And then he's going to, you know, he's going to go ahead and get it done on 18. And then he knocks it in the water. And all of a sudden we've got this crazy finish to a tournament that was really, I thought, it wasn't it was a great quite tournament. boring. Yeah, it wasn't. So where, where was Justin exactly on the when he hit in the water? Well, Justin was one shot back. Okay, so Mito at that point. OK, it was one. Okay. Yeah. So Mito doubled the last hole to lose by one. And Will Zalatoris had to make that putt. Yeah, yeah. Will Zalatoris had to make that putt to get into the playoff. Which in there for a while, I didn't think Will was going to hang on, but he did. See, I thought I I I thought he would, and I actually thought Justin, when Justin was way back, I said all he needs is a chance. I talked to my buddy, who's a massive Alabama fan. Okay, and you know JT obviously. So he says to me, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Is Justin going to be T10? And I, I said, he's going to win it. No, I didn't say I, I just kidding. I said, I said, he's going to get in. He's going to get involved. But, you know, I didn't think he would He would ultimately no. win it. So I felt bad for Mito because, like, that's the equivalent of, you know, uh, being – why don't we say that's the equivalent of, like, being up one, missing both free throws to ice it, and then the other team comes back. And, there you go. And it's, yeah. Comes down and hits a game winner. It's brutal. And everyone looks at you. And says you blew it. It's your fault, and now you're kind of labeled as a loser. Or you throw a pick six to lose the game, right? Or like, or you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like, um, you know, you, it's 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 third and one, and you 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 don't get it. You don't pick up the first, and you go for it, and you fumble or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's always yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I said earlier when we came on, I said if he gets it up and down on seventeen, he wins. It was a, he had a great drive right to the front, like a little vanilla just hit shot. These guys hit that shot in their sleep, you know, and he kind of clanked it up there to like 15 feet and missed it. Didn't birdie. So if he had a two shot lead going into the last hole, mm. you know, that's a nice comfort where you can just hit a little four iron down the fairway. That's a gimme though, Travis, right? For these guys. Yeah, it you is. Know, that up and down is. Do, yeah. Yeah. All he had to do was bogey really. Right. Well, if he bogeyed, he gets into a playoff. Yeah. Yeah. If he bogeyed, he gets into the playoff, but he made double bogey. So what, no, but here's the thing: when you're up two strokes going into the final hole, don't you have the reassurance that you can just play this super safe and right. far, and it's pretty easy? Uh, so, yeah, exactly. So if he gets if he gets the ball up and down on 17 for birdie, that's what he has. And 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 my point is, 
is he gets that ball up and down nine times out of 10 in his sleep. So that's just nerves. I think so. Yeah, I think, you know, and that, that, that's what I came on to. And I want to transition to this question to you because I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this. I said in the intro, in golf, because of all the experiences young guys have, uh, when you look at the experience as a junior golfer, collegiate golfer, mini tours, they play competitively and push, push, push their whole life. And they get to the PGA Tour and they're like, they're ready to win. Like they've, they've already had the experience. What hasn't changed is the major championship pressure. And you get in that, you've never felt that before. Mm. And I think Mito, obviously there's a learning curve there. There's still a big learning curve there. Do you find that to be the same in other sports where like young players, because of all their experience in playing AAU basketball and playing competitive basketball, that when they get to the NBA, they're less scared now than say 30, 40 years ago when they came in? The difference is there's two things that really impacts. I'll do it with basketball. Basketball is the AAU circuit, which you're playing oftentimes two or three games a day. You're on the road. And more importantly than the games is that you know all the guys. Right. You know, when I, so I graduated high school in 04. So when I was playing AAU basketball, we had we had Brandon Roy on my team, who was an incredible player. Yeah, and um, I remember we had all these great players in the Seattle area, and we everyone would go on there. There's three or four big AAU teams, and we go to North Carolina or Vegas, or whatever, and you play these tournaments. By the end of the tournament, and by the time you were a junior, because your last AAU circuit is your junior summer, you knew all the top three, four hundred players in the country. So by the time you get to the NBA, now you're weeding out, you know, all these great players, you know, everyone. (laughs) That's true. So there's a comfort level within that, that comes from just the experience of, yes, playing a lot of basketball as at a young age and pushing, but also when you know people, some of that fear and intimidation is lost. Even, even for like guys that are like really tough guys, like you look at him, mm. you're like, that's my guy. I just had, I just had McDonald's with him, you know, like, so for me, when I see, when I'm watching the NBA playoffs, specifically Travis, the conference finals, you know, mm-hmm. the, peak of, the peak of basketball, you know, you see all these great players. These guys have been playing against one another since they were 14 or 15 years old or younger. And Lucas case, he turned pro when he was, he left the house at 13 and he was a full fledged pro by the time he was 14. He was the Euro league MVP and champ by the time he was 17, which will wow. never happen again. So there is not a fear factor for most guys. And when you're obviously, you know, everyone's, you're going to have nerves, especially at a young age. But uh, when I talk to guys, like, are you nervous? Most, almost all of them, even in these huge games, when the ball is tipped, that's it. It's gone. So I, I was, I was always really nervous before games. I, I didn't have that like mental capacity, uh, even like meaningless games. I was nervous and oftentimes nervous during the game, unless I was, if I was playing poorly, I, I did not have that like mental fortitude. That's why I look at golf. That's why I'm so interested in golf given the psychological inner battle that guys go through. Yeah. Well, it's so individual, right? You're making the ball move yourself every single time. Um, where in basketball, you're, you know, you're kind of flowing with your teammates and, and like the, the rhythm of the game. And you can, I don't want to say you can hide, but you can hide. 
You can yeah. hide. I, yeah. I used to hide. <laughs> especially on you, I would hide if I had Roy on my team, too. Especially on defense. My <laughs> AAU program had Brandon Roy and Martel Webster, who were both lottery picks. Mm. Uh, Brandon went out of UW and Martel out of uh, out of high school. So I was often hiding. Yes. <laughs> can you see, because it's really interesting to me, and, and, and I open with this, like, okay, that learning curve, it's very, very little now, and they, they're, they're ready, right? They just You're making the point in the NBA. They're ready. They've seen it. They've done it. Let's go. It's just another tournament. Get out of my way. I can win this. But then it became very apparent to me again, there's a big learning curve when that biggest pressure hits, is no matter what your experience you've had up to that point, you still haven't won one of the big ones. You haven't sure. won the major championship or the NBA championship or the Super Bowl. And it's always fascinating when that moment happens, the ones that then, oh, okay, they continue to go forward. And it's a very, very small percent of them. JT goes forward. I mean, it's he, we've known this. I've watched it. Justin Spieth goes forward. Tiger went forward. Um, there's a lot of guys I could label to you as great players on the PGA tour that when that moment hits, they don't go forward. They protect and they almost kind of hope, right? Yeah, you're, you're hoping for the best, which is the worst. Can I swear? Yeah. It is the worst fucking, fucking thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you mean, it is. Now, can you see that? Can you see that in the 100%. NBA? Yeah. You can. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't see it in the NFL because okay. I didn't play. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I played football, but not not in college. So I, in basketball, I was around the NBA at a very young age. Mm-hmm. I was around NBA players. You know, Ray Allen broke my nose. Like yeah. I, I played against some of the best players in the world or played against. But I I see it. And I know when a guy is shrinking because I know how I used to do it. Yeah. So there were there were some games where I would rise and, and, and you know, in big games and play great. In, in my Super Bowl or my NBA championship, we went downstate for the first time in school history, and I had the worst game of my life in the biggest possible stage. And I know why, because I was I was too scared. Yeah. Um, and it was the moment was too big for me at, when I was 18. When I see guys in the NBA, it's not necessarily missing a shot. It's how you miss a shot or the shot you don't take. So yeah. you might see a guy who's a great shooter, what I'll say short arm it, and that means he'll pull back just a little bit or he'll, he'll kind of guide it. Yeah. Mm. And, you, and I'll see it because mechanically it's different and it might not look that much different, but there's just in basketball and shooting. And I was a shooter. That's what I did best. The only thing I did really well, mm-hmm. to be honest, and I did it great. And, and shooting, it's so technical and so muscle memory, so much muscle memory, like an insane amount that you don't even think about it. So when you do start thinking about it, that's when you short arm it. And that's when that technique comes into play. And then you start missing shots. And then that's when you stop taking shots yeah. because you, you know, you don't feel confident. And then you're hoping it goes in as opposed to, you know, it's going to go in. Yeah. So yes, I see it. I think you see it a lot of times with younger players. Uh, I mentioned guys that have been through it. It's oftentimes the great young players because there's so much pressure on them and they're dubbed the next great player, the next great one that uh, you see it. Maybe they'll struggle their first couple of years in the playoffs or in a big game because they haven't had that pressure yet. Mm. You, you said you like JT, right? And I love Jason Tatum and Justin Thomas. You like, okay. Two JTs. Yeah, there you go. So Justin, let's see, Tatum Duke, right? J- Tatum, Tatum with the, Duke, yeah, from yeah, St. Louis. And JT was Alabama, as you said. When you watch Justin Thomas as a fan, right, and you watch him, how would you describe him? Is there, is there a comp in 
yeah. other sports of of JT? Well, he is he he's you said he was five ten. He's five nine, five ten, hundred and sixty five, soaking wet. I mean, he don't look much bigger than that to me. <laughs> he's got. <laughs> but you also told me this, which I, I guess I can see as a golf fan. He's got really easy power, right? Yeah. Like, explosive. Like, uh, explosive. Explosive. It's easy, but it's it's fast twitch, you know? Yeah, like, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I actually have a couple of comps. Okay. I am a massive tennis fan as well. Okay. Love tennis. And the best comp for me is actually looking at tennis smaller players who are really wiry and generate a tremendous amount of power and pop. Very good. So I've gotten really into tennis since I basically stopped playing basketball because I like the competitiveness, the one-on-one, it has some of that golf feel. But you see these guys who walk into a tennis court, and I'll play these guys, and they're really small and 140, 160, 170 pounds, and then they're serving big and they're playing, we say, really big. So I look at that, as, I look at that and I think, okay, how is he generating that much pop at that size? So there's a couple guys, but there's a there's a young player on tour, or I guess on ATP tour. His, his name is Carlos Alcaraz. Have you heard of him? I have. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious how big he is. I don't think he's bigger than. Bear with me here. I'm Carlos curious. Alcaraz. Yeah. So Justin six, Thomas is five ten. Yeah. So so Carlos is six feet. So he's a little bigger. Uh, 180 pounds, 175, 160 pounds in his, in his profile, but he said he's put on 10. So we'll go 165. That's about right. Yeah. And so I look at Carlos when I first watched, started watching him play. I was like, this guy's six, four, six, five. And then I looked him up and they're like, he's like six, six and a half. So that's the comp for me. And he's a young up and coming player. Who's already like a star, Mm -hmm. but I'm just thinking about him because I've been watching him so much. And now you got Roland Garros coming on and I see a lot of that with Justin Thomas, where you don't understand how he's generating so much power. And Carlos is a really young guy. I think Thomas is 29 now, but ever since he came up, you, you saw this pop with him when he swings and it's like, God, he's hitting the ball so far and so well. Um, So yeah, so that's one comp for me. Okay. In basketball, it's not fair, but I the easy comp is Steph Curry because Steph is, well, he's 6'3", 195 pounds. I was with Steph for, I spent the day with him about a month ago. And um, one of the things that struck me with him was what you just said about Justin Thomas, where, he, what do you say? He has a lot of power, but what was the word you used? Fast twitch. Fast twitch, yeah. So Steph despite not being a 40 inch vertical, like a Nate Robinson guy, another guy I grew up playing against Seattle kid, had that super crazy balance, fast twitch ability to do things at his size that don't really make sense. He's so smart. Yep. That's what I see with JT. And um, that's always kind of why I've loved Justin Thomas and Steph, because, you know, it's easier to relate to guys that you feel like embody you more like it's it's kind of hard for fans to relate to seven foot guys but when you see someone that's normal size it's a little easier yeah i think those are good comps i i i can relate to the steph curry who's up 3-0 right now they're about ready to move on past the mavericks and it'll be interesting to see who comes out of the east with boston and miami but um the guys you mentioned steph curry loves golf really good player Great player uh, and has his no underrated tour coming out now, which is really cool. Very cool. Love Steph Curry, everything he does. Um, but huge fan. Ray Allen, really good player. Yes. Another supersonic player. I've actually watched Ray Allen um, 
playing a couple events and he gets it around nice. He's a legitimate He's like two a or three handicap. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, legitimate. Mm-hmm. And Steph's more like a borderline scratch, right? Yeah, Steph's probably a little better. Yeah. I would say yeah, he's probably closer to scratch. And um, Romo is right is a little better. And Romo's a very good player right there. I would say probably even a little better than Steph. So Romo might be like plus. Could be. John Smoltz is for sure. John Smoltz. Smoltz is, yeah, that's yes. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Smoltz so, is excellent. Yeah, I, I'm so ha- glad you mentioned Ray because you can't see Ray Allen on Instagram or social media without golf. He's obsessed. He's always been like that. You know, it's funny. Like golf, I've been in it my whole life, and it. Yeah, we've finally in this sport. I feel like have gotten over the hump. It's cool it, now. It's more. Yeah, it's definitely on the cool side. I think it's the doors are as open as they've ever been, which I think is super important. And, um, and people are coming in and they're flying in and they're loving it. And social media has helped golf so much because when Steph posts and Ray posts, um, and Patrick Mahomes posts that he's taking lessons and Travis Kelsey's hitting a slice off, like all of that does so much for the game of golf. It's, it's amazing to, to, for their fans to see them playing golf and saying such good things about it. John Smoltz did an interview with, uh, Joe Buck on uh, Saturday on ESPN. And he said, I found this pretty interesting. He said that if he would have started playing golf earlier, he's not quite so sure if he actually would have pursued baseball. He probably would have pursued golf. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the greats, man. Yeah. You know, he is wow. obsessed with it wow. and is a great play. He told some really, really cool stories about playing with Tiger at Augusta and this and that when he was playing. But you know, he was just like, man, I just kind of came to it a little bit later and, you know, when I got there, I, I, it was like, I needed to learn the craft. And, and as my baseball season started to wind down or my career, I started to take it more and more. And he got, obviously he's gotten really good. Um, but he said, if I would have learned it when I was 10, I'm not so sure if I would have played baseball. Could he, is he, this might be a ridiculous question, but is he like good enough to play on the senior tour or no? <laughs> he's probably not. No, he, he's probably not good enough to play on the champions tour. Um, I would say he's probably just under that. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Like you, you look at John Smoltz and like these plus one, plus two. Like that's a that's a really high a level. Play. Yeah, but it doesn't sniff what you're watching on TV. Like it just you're watching guys that basically fall out of bed and shoot sixty seven. You know, I mean, it's and that's why I tell people like, hey, I'm thinking about turning pro and making a run. Now. I was like, where's your home course? You know, so and so. Like, what do you shoot with your buddies on your home course? You should be shooting like sixty four. You should be like falling down shooting sixty five. Basically, hey, it, it needs to feel like, man, I really didn't play that good and shot five or six hundred today. Wow. Like, it needs to be that good, that great. I mean, these guys are insanely good, insane. It's an, it's like if you got to watch Justin Thomas up close dissect a golf course and this and that, you just yeah. be like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> so that is, and is that where, you know, a lot of the experience comes into play? Justin having already won a PGA, and I think and, so. Yeah. You know, I think so. I think that's the the point I'm making is that the curve is still there with the big ones, you know, like the major championships. Yeah. You can get on the first page, but at some point it's going to hit you at some point. It's your turn to win. What are you going to do? And I think Mito didn't get it up and down on 17, knocked the one or 18. He wasn't ready yet. Doesn't mean he can't get back there, but it's, I think historically it's unlikely he'll get back there. It's hard to get back. There's so damn competitive out there. But he's a good player. I do think he'll come back and, you know, he'll win. Mito, he's kind of a, you know, I don't know him that well. Um, I know some of the people that are around him that teach him. 
And I think he's just kind of a happy go lucky. Like he'll, yeah, he'll he seems like a, just like a very he'll shrug normal. it off. Yeah. He'll like, he'll, there'll be some, there'll be some, some tear there for sure, but he'll, he'll, he'll go past it. I mean, What's, what, what would be a player? I'm just, this is just me yeah. as a, as a big golf fan. Who would be the opposite that, that almost has too much swag and needs to hone it down? Like, would that be Bryson? Probably. <laughs> okay. He needs to tone it down because you're like, Bryson, you, you're just, you're out of, you just calm it down. Has I think, I think it's fair. Yeah. I think that's a, that's fair to say Bryson could, could tone it down a little bit, get back to the basics of, yeah. of what makes him tick and in, in great golf. And I think, I think Ricky Fowler kind of, Kiki. Uh, you know, Ricky was a great player and then yeah, kind of sort of changing his swing and he's got all these endorsements and this and that. Yeah, and like too much. Yeah. It's too yeah. much for Oklahoma state's finest. See, yeah. I love, I love, I love when he used to wear that fucking orange hat yep. and all the orange gear. And now, now I'm like, what happened to the guy? Well, you know, I mean, he's like, still a very good player, right? You know, one of the things that happens in golf is that these players, for whatever reason, they feel the need to tinker and change technique and this and that. And Ricky went through a pretty decent swing change about a year and a half ago. And I don't think he's really ever come out on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think you counter that with getting married, a kid. He's yeah. financially stable. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't it, think he's made it. I don't think he's. It's, it's not burning in the belly as yeah. much. And I think those swing changes was the wrong move to make at that at that stage of his career. That's you could. We've talked about that for a full podcast. Um, but yeah, there's guys that could tone it down. I think um a little bit it's competitive out there i mean golf's in a great spot pxg has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers fairways hybrids and irons the new gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased moi faster ball speeds longer distances and tighter dispersions all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from pxg schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg Dot com. It's cool to see guys like you um, commenting on it, you know, and, and what you do in your sport, you know, basketball and football and how big those sports are in this country. And now for golf to kind of be a little more, a little more mainstream, I think, and, and getting into that conversation, guys playing it, women playing it, everybody's playing it. And then they get into the sport and then they get addicted. You know, it's like, that's man, the thing about golf, man, it's like, it's yeah. hard, but it's addicting. <laughs> here, here, here are the two things that I've seen change. One okay. is players talk about it unprompted all the time. Okay, it's like it's like ridiculous how 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 much. I mean, just today, I was talking to Pete Warner, who's a young, really good young player on the Saints, Ohio State guy, um, rising star, and he was talking about we were talking about golf, and I was like, I had no idea that this you know you play golf. He's like, I'm really getting into it. That's the, I just hear that all the time. Really getting into it. I'm going to be at the match. Will you be there? Me? No. First. Okay. So I'll be there. Okay. I'll be there with all the guys. And, uh, you know, I, it's like, that's okay. That's amazing. There's four of the greatest quarterbacks in the game. They're playing. That's awesome to me. I'm super fired up. But the fact that you have transcending sports, basketball, baseball, football, you know, it's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> it These is. guys, like we, when I talk to guys about going on vacation, I can't tell you how many guys will tell you. I was, will, will tell me, and you know what I'm going to say. I'm not going to go to that place unless they have a golf course, yeah, or unless it's within, you know, driving range. Not funny. Literally. 
has to be 10 minutes away. Do they have a golf pro? I had one guy, I don't even want to say it because he's not very good yet and he'll be mad, but I had one guy ask me who about a hotel in, in a tropical place Do you because that I had been to his saying, how's the golf pro there? Is he, can he work with me a little bit? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? It's great beaches. He's like, yeah, but I, if I'm going to be on vacation, I need to make sure there's a good golf pro that work with me. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, that's what's happening. It's cool to see. And um, there's there's a lot of runway yet to be had. All right, last question. U.S. Opens in a month. Who's going to win the match, actually, first off? I mean, who's... The, ma- the match, it, well, it's it's Brady and Rodgers versus Mahomes and Allen. Right. I think Rodgers is the best. Then probably Pat, Brady, Josh. So I'll go with the older guys. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair I, I think enough. They're, they're favored, and I think they're, they'll, they'll be better. Yeah. U.S. Open... Your boy Bryson gonna win another one? No, I don't see it. No. Uh, I, I told you before we started recording. Let's just book in on this. Okay. The, C- Colin, I love him. What's stopping him? Or Kawa? Yep. Open? And isn't that course really good for him? It's a little yeah. longer. I think. I think this course. Yeah, I don't know as much about Brookline as I do Southern Hills at this point. I need to do a little it's more. In Boston, research. right? Yeah. 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 I think it's a little longer, and it's it's supposed to be pretty tough. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. This course, Southern Hills, I've played big, big emphasis on short game, up and down, scrabbling. I don't think that's more Kawa's, like, you know, real really? DNA. Like, you, yeah. I mean, he, he can get it up and down and do it, but I, I just don't feel like that was the right spot. Uh, U.S. Open at Brookline, perhaps. Um, what about I Scotty? Yeah, I mean, hey, look, Scotty Scheffler, I mean, this guy – has come out of nowhere and has won. It's interesting though. It's interesting though. I've never seen Scotty so frustrated as he was this week. I mean, outwardly frustrated. It's amazing how the expectation level goes up and frustration goes up. Because people, now they know that name and they're like, what happened to this guy this weekend? He stinks. Yeah. No. You're going to miss some cuts. I mean, it's just the bottom line. You're going to miss some cuts. You're going to miss cuts in big tournaments. It it just, golf is a game where you could be playing very well and scoring poorly. Yeah. Um, it's a game you could be playing poorly and scoring well. Like it makes no sense. And you're going to have some bad breaks and all of a sudden you're on the outside of the cut. Um, so basketball is the same. You can go four or 15, but play well, just not shoot it well. And that happens with Steph, even the best shooter in the world. Yeah. But over the course of a seven game series, if you are playing well, you're also going to be able to make adjustments. And then you, you will figure it out a way if you're a great player yeah. in golf. Uh, I don't know, even over the course of four days, is that possible if it's a tough course? Um, it is going to play out. It might, it might need a little more than four days to kind of play it out. Um, you know, there's a little bit of luck in golf for sure. Um, that happens. And, uh, you know, so like there's, there's just, there's, there's little, so there's, there's the average right over a period of time. I like to look at like 50 rounds. It seems to be a number mm-hmm. that I like 50 rounds kind of gives me a very solid sample size of Okay, here's here's the DNA of this player. You know, he's a really good ball striker with his irons. He struggles a little bit with the short game. He's his putting's okay. He's better on bent versus Bermuda. He's like that's a sample size, right? I think when you get too small, you don't you don't get the whole picture. Um, and I didn't like Colin Morikawa coming into this. I I gamble on golf and pick on Tuesday. Our Tuesday show is all about looking ahead, and yeah, I had, yeah. and I had JT on the card wow. because I thought this would be a really good play for him and. Um, Did you live bet it when he was back eight? No, I had it up front. So, but I should have hit it again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I should have hit it again. You're right. He had a 1% chance to win after the third hole. 1%. 
Yeah. Uh, last question for me is uh, you mentioned guys that haven't been able to win the big ones. Finau kind of feels is yeah. he that kind of yeah like, I, I, comfortable just being T10. Yeah, I think like Finau and Xander are two players. Xander Shoffley are yeah. two are two world class players. Uh, two of the best players in the game right now. Um, but I do think it's fair to say when the pressure hits, they tend to put it neutral. And, you know, they, they don't have that killer instinct to put multiple tournaments away. Xander's, Xander and Tony would have more win. I think Xander has four right now, and Tony yeah. has two. Yeah, Tony's um, the one for me that, because he's always, you always just wish that they were just push through on some of these big tournaments because you know he, the talent is there. You see it. He's really a he's special player, but man, just cannot win these big tournaments. Right. See, I don't think JT pushed through and won this one. The door opened for him. I mean, Mito he took him. advantage. He took advantage. And then when he got into the playoff, he, he, <laughs> he never missed a shot. You know, I mean, he hit, it, he hit it in the rough on the first hole, but that was it. I mean, he laid up, still made birdie. So you just see him like, okay, you're going to give me a chance to win this? Get out of my way. Here I come. And, and that's, you can just see his mindset is just totally different than Xander. Oh my gosh, I'm near the lead three to play at the Masters. I hit it in the water on 16. Finau in a playoff in Genesis with Max Homa. Yeah, that was tough. Get it up and down from yeah. uphill. And he can't. Like, yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. It's, it's tough to watch. And it's tough to say because you it's like tough these, to watch when you, when you, when you, really you like these guys, but it's the truth. I mean, it's just the truth. All right. Good stuff. Jordan Schultz. Travis, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Uh, so what do you got real, real quick here before we go? We got, I mean, Golden State's going through. Um, well, I had, I had Golden State in five in the series. I never thought Dallas was okay. going to be in the series. This is the, the, the one is the, the Miami Boston series. Really interesting just because both teams are, are, are just really good. Yeah. There's not any weaknesses. You've had some injuries, but both really well coached. I mean, Spolster's tremendous. Uh, Emei's really found his rhythm with the Celts. Um, mm -hmm. Boston defensively is a little better. Miami's a great jump shooting team, great three-point shooting team, but now Hero's out. Butler was out. So there's just – both teams dealing with injuries. I, I, I gave Miami the edge at seven before the series. Uh, okay. They're at home. Um, but and they're up 2-1. They're up 2-1. Ultimately, if it's Miami or Boston, Golden State, to me, has the most weaponry. Um, and the fact that they've been able to get this young kid, Jordan Poole, playing at this level. And he's basically 20 points a game. He's shooting 50% from the floor, 40 from three in the playoffs. Wow. He's just – he's really good. And mm -hmm. uh, one of those guys that you saw coming and coming, and then he really just exploded. Um, so Golden State is the most flexible team. They can play different lineups. They can play small. They can play big. Um, and they have Steve Kerr, who's, who's you know, won three championships as a coach. So I like the Warriors the most. And I think Steph is playing at the best best level he's played at all year not in his career but all year yeah yeah they're fun to watch i mean they're they are fun to watch and um i'll be watching here as we uh, i'll be watching the the celtics in miami that's going to be celtics win game four, i think okay at home two two all right jordan thanks so much join us on the pod man thank you travis okay brother